Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm so excited today because we're going to be visiting with Leslie and Amanda, and they are experts in their field. You can check out other shows with us. Um, we've done maybe three or four now. I can't remember, but it's so great to have you guys here because we're going to be talking today about handling the elderly, especially in your household or maybe they're, you know, at a care facility. And these ladies are experts in this. And, you know, as we go into our new normal from the pandemic, I think um, having an elderly parent or an elderly spouse poses some unique challenges that we don't always see in a household that doesn't have these or a family that's not caring for an elderly spouse or relative. So I'm going to go to Leslie first. Would you introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about you because it's been a while since we've been together on the air and then we'll go over to you, Amanda. Yes, thank you, Sandra. I'm Leslie Eckford and I am a nurse and a social worker. I have specialized in geriatric mental health and also am a family caregiver from a distance. Um, for my elderly parents, my mother is still living and she has dementia and she is a lovely spirited soul that I enjoy talking to every day. And uh, I am really excited that we're talking about this topic right now. Me too. Me too. Amanda. So great to be with you, Sandra, again. Um, always a pleasure. And I am a geriatric care manager. I have my own business and I've done geriatric care management and guardianship for many years. I don't do as much guardianship now. Um, and Leslie and I have written a lot together. We've written a couple of books and um, just love being on your show. And this topic has been coming up a lot. So I'm really excited to talk about it because my parents are under quarantine in their senior living community. So, yeah. Well, and all we hear is like death watch, you know, like all these people are dying at this place and dying at that place. And then they say, oh, look at all the great things the stores are doing by being open at 7 a.m. for elderly people. And that's all great. But there really isn't any practical how-to of handling this situation in your household or remotely or in a facility when it's your parent, when it's mm -hmm. your spouse. You know, the biggest thing I have with my dad right now, who's 86, is I don't need that mask. I don't want to wear that mask. Well, then you're staying in the lazy boy because you're not going anywhere unless you're wearing the mask. And I actually had to enlist the aid of my children to say, grandpa, you can't go with us. And we were literally just going to McDonald's to get an ice cream through the drive-thru, bring your mask. And I think when you have short-term memory problems, which we do, we have elderly, we have diabetes. And the other thing, ladies, that I want to have you weigh in on is I used to have my dad walking in the park and now I'm just every day getting him 20 minutes on the spin bike, maybe. But with quarantine, people who were sitting are now sitting 
exponentially because you can't expect a you know an 86 year old to dance a jig in the kitchen mm-hmm. um you know and then there everything seems to collapse like their mental facilities collapse they they do less so then they're more depressed like there's a whole spiral around there and i'd like to talk about that first just about the mental stress of quarantine and the lack of mobility on top of everything that they're already dealing with yeah i think think it's a huge problem Mm -hmm. um and you know i think that most senior living communities across the country have very strict rules in place Yes. with regard to leaving the community. So if you leave the community for any reason, you have to undergo a self-quarantine for 14 days in your apartment, which means you can't even walk the hallways. Right. You can't even like go out onto the patio and get in the sun. Um, so I see that as being a, a much different situation than the one that you're in, Sandra, where you have to impose those rules on your father i mean you have to kind of rein him in sure but i also see the advantage of somebody being in a household and being able to get out and go for a walk in the park being able to to exercise so i i think it's a huge concern and the big question that i have is how is this all going to end Mm -hmm. i mean at what point does the senior living community say okay we can open up the faucet a little bit. Well, what does that mean? Right. Does that mean that people can go out to an outpatient clinic? And is that safe? So I think there are a lot of questions around this, but I think that the mobility and the exercise, I think are huge issues, but I think probably more so in senior living than in the situation that you're in. But I don't know. What do you think, Leslie? Thanks for that insight, Amanda. Before we go to Leslie, I want to thank our sponsor today because if you're looking for a fun way to pass the time while engaging your brain and enjoying these super pretty visuals and this kind of really fun, gripping story, your answer is Best Fiends. Now, that's friends without the R, Best Fiends. And you can download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And this is a five-star rated mobile puzzle game. So if you like those puzzle games. This one's a must play. And it has over 100 million downloads. And they have fun puzzles and cute characters. They have nice music. And what I like about it, girls, is it's a casual game that anyone can play. Now, it's mostly made for adults, but I play it with my 13-year-old and 16-year-old. And my dad, who's 86, enjoys it well. And you can spend as much or as little time as you like on the game. And there's bright colors. It's got a nice style. Um, The characters are fun. The challenges are fun. And the antagonists are slugs, which they have this thing called a slug mageddon, which is really fun. And I really like to beat up on the slug mageddon. It helps me get my, you know, uh, you know, stress, anxiety, whatever it is. Um, you know, all of those things, you know, gets to come out, you know, in a video game, which is really healthy for me versus like yelling at my kids or yelling at my dad or, you know, blowing a gasket. So it also doesn't require Wi-Fi access or cellular data. So you you can play it and collect these characters. You can use them strategically for each level and you don't have to burn through your data package. So if you do want to engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters, there's over a hundred million downloads. Check out this five-star rated mobile puzzle game. It is a must play and you can download it. Best Fiends free at the Apple App Store or Google Play, and that's Friends Without the R, Best Fiends. Now, we wanted to hear from Leslie. So, Leslie, back to you. I think 
one thing that you're you've really already sort of pinpointed is people whether they're living at home or in a senior retirement type of uh, living situation we need our routine yeah and our mobility and exercise is a big part of our routine even for people who are elderly and have somewhat limited mobility they still probably have some you know oh god here comes that caregiver again she's gonna get me to get up and walk around the room and you know go outside you still got to do that and if you can stick with sort of the usual times that you would do that and you know instead of going to the park we're going to go over here by the window and we're going to face you out there and we're going to set the timer and you're going to do as much of that you want to listen to some music or changing it up a little bit whatever you can um to keep that mobility going and the routine mm -hmm. so well, yeah and my old tricks i can't do my old tricks anymore you know my old tricks were to be like hey dad want to go to lowe's i need a you know mm -hmm. interject whatever it is and then drop him off at the opposite end of Lowe's so that he has to walk across Lowe's in there to get like if the nails are over there I'll drop them in the garden center if I need something in the garden I'll drop it over by the cement you know to force him to do these things you know gently force them um you know and the grocery store you know leaving him at the grocery store so he has to walk around and invariably he'll find somebody to talk to and then even if he's sitting on the bench in front of the McDonald's, you know, at the Walmart, he's talking to somebody, he's getting some interaction, he's looking around, you know, he's not running a marathon, but I can't do any of those things anymore. And, you know, I think a lot of us sandwich moms who have younger children and older parents in the house, we have two on my street like me, the tricks that we were using the techniques we were using don't work anymore because you can't just drop them at Lowe's you can't drop them at Walmart and have them walk around yeah and for this age group you know just a, a little bit of less activity is significant significant I mean, huge yes. and so for for my parents you know they live right in the center of a, a pretty bustling neighborhood and they would normally walk across the street there's a creek and they can walk around the well now they can't do that right they, because if they do that they have to have the quarantine and there's no way they're going to do the four, 14 day quarantine and not be able to leave their apartment and at least walk the halls every day right so yeah it's it's a real dilemma it is and it's that catch-22 of going you know what quality of life do you have you know if my dad sits all day and his blood sugar goes up and then he snacks because I can't watch him every minute of the day because what do people do when they're elderly and they're bored? They go right to the kitchen, you know, so now we've got snacking and blood sugar, you know, rising and then we get foggy and, you know, all of the things go on top of each other, you know, and is that, you know, you kind of weigh the odds of going, are you going to have this poor quality of life versus being able to walk down the hallway. I mean, I know why some of the restrictions are in place, but sometimes the restrictions cause more problems than the restrictions were there to solve. I think that's absolutely true. And you know, in, in my parents' senior living, and this is the case across the country, they would walk down a very long hallway to go down to the dining room yep. three times a day. Now all the meals are being delivered to apartments. Right. There's no communal dining. 
I mean, they're cutting their exercise probably by, you know, two thirds, mm -hmm. just by the fact that they don't have to walk to the elevator. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's a huge problem. And I don't know, as I said, I just don't know how that's going to end up, how that's going to be loosened. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's, and plus, you know, they miss the, they miss the communal dining. Sure. They miss being with people. I mean, they're, they're do, I think most senior communities are doing a great job of trying to bring activities to people like out in the hallways and folks sure. can come out with masks, but it's just not the same. You know, it's not the mm -hmm. same of having that bustling dining room with people talking and my mom visiting with people on the way in and the way out. All that's missing now. I wonder, though, I know that some of the communities, uh, an assisted living that I'm familiar with in another state, um, does have an outdoor porch area. Mm -hmm. and They allow a certain number of people. And, and of course, they actually can control this a bit because one person's in a wheelchair, so they're not going to get up and, you know, ruin the six feet distance. Um, but they keep people like sort of in the corners of a square of the outdoor space so that they can get that time. And they coordinate it. They have their staff come and knock on the door and say, are you ready for your outdoor time? And then um, one person I know, her daughter with very young children will be on the other side of the fence so they can have a visit. Um, so there are some creative things that people can do, but as you said, it's, it's not enough. However, in the age of YouTube, I know that there are um, sit and be fit type of videos sure. that are available to see. So it does take that added effort though, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. To say, okay, dad, <laughs> you've never watched this before, but how about you give this a try, you know? Yeah. Well, it's the compliance too, you know, and let's be honest, movement is medicine. You know, there is a component of that, that I know that the more my dad moves, the more compliant he is, the better he feels, the more apt he is to do more, you know, it's, it's kind of that whole cycle thing. And um, I will tell you the mental game is very different. You know, when you're handling your children, my kids, like when I tell them things, you know, bad things or, or things that, you know, are hard for them, I say, look, I don't want you to worry till I tell you to worry. I'll let you know when it is time to worry. And your kids will go, okay, mom, you know, they'll buy into it to a certain amount. Parents, not going to do that. <laughs> like, not at all. And so, you know, when you're... They're probably saying, hey, you know, I taught you to do that. Exactly. Right. That worked for me to, you know, that's where do you think I learned that from? But with the fear, um, you know, I think it's worth having a conversation to talk about the management of fear with an elderly parent, because I see it with my aunt is very, my great aunt is very different than my father. She wants to talk and talk and talk. And my father's just like, oh, it's a bunch of horse, you know, you know what, horse hockey. And, you know, I don't need this mask. And, you know, it's all a bunch, of, it's just a big political thing. Right. You know, so you kind of run the gamut from complete denial to abject fear. And when you're a caregiver, whether you're a caregiver in the home or remotely, 
how do you guys handle the expression of fear with your parents or do they not share that with you? Well, you know, I, I think folks of a certain age in their eighties and nineties are pretty resilient. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been through a few things. Um, and I think generally speaking, the, the folks that I deal with are, are pretty good. They're not really panicked on, I mean, it may be more the other kind of like, well, really, should I take this that seriously? Uh -huh. And sometimes I wonder if that has to do with some older folks, I think are just very attached to like maybe the newspaper to get their news yes. or maybe just one cable station. I mean, we have access to changing news every minute of the day through social media. And so I, I think that that has an impact also on people's perceptions of what's going on is they kind of have a limited view. And Very so I think so. that can work both ways. A limited view can be good and it can be bad. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what your experience is, Leslie. You know, I, I agree with that. I also was just thinking about how many people in this age group are in such a variety of settings right now. They're either, you know, in uh, senior housing where they have been put into these very isolated situations or they're living with family and, you know, the generational uh, situation has its benefits and unfortunately some drawbacks with the virus. And then we have a lot of people living alone yes, in their own home still. And how are they dealing with that? And I, I do think there has been a lot of concern for um, people. What are they thinking? I just had a conversation with someone um, actually in another country and her parent um, has just gotten a terminal illness diagnosis right as the coronavirus was hitting. And so she had gone to see her parent. Now she just can wave out of the window. Right. And I asked her, you know, I'm reading a lot about how some elderly people who are in those isolated, bigger facility type of situations are really thinking a lot about death. Mm -hmm. And would they be dying alone? Yeah. And I, I asked her, well, how is your parent feeling about that? And she said, we haven't talked about that. Mm. That's another issue, I think, that comes along. And it made me think of your dad in, in this respect, that that is something you can share with him, is to right. say, I'm going to kind of aggravate you about this virus, but I'm here for you in case this happens to come through our door. Right. He's very fortunate. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I have, I, when I go to the hospital for my treatments, you know, you, we see the very limited people that are allowed to go in and see a family member who's terminal. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, there's, there's big choices to be made. Um, and I'm glad that you brought the mental health aspect of it because it's, it's, everybody handles it differently. Like even in my household, you know, I see my little 13 year old had a bad day yesterday. My 16 year old had a bad day, you know, a week ago. 
my dad has really just denied everything and thinks it's a publicity stunt, you know, and, um, you know, and it's amazing to, to want to smooth things over as the resident loony in the loony bin, you know, and I don't have any answers. Yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking when you were saying that from, from a personal perspective, because I can't go visit my parents, my sister and I live fortunately in the same community, but we're, we're prohibited from visiting them. Sure. And even though they're for their age, pretty tech savvy, they send emails, mm -hmm. they can get on the internet. Mm -hmm. They, they can't do zoom. Right. They can't, they don't have mm -hmm. smartphones, so we can't do FaceTime. And I really, it's not just that I miss them, but it's like laying eyes on them gives me an idea of how they're really doing. Yes. They tell me they're doing fine. Of course. Of course. But I don't really believe that. Right. So it's just hard not having that, that personal contact. And I think a lot of older people are really pretty good with the technology, but a lot of them are not. And that closes them off any, even more. Right. Um, well, or even if you give them the technology, like I would say, you know, um, Amanda, send them a cheap tablet, you know, a hundred dollar tablet. They can just push the button and go. Well, my father has the smartphone and I can tell you he can follow the Bills, the Sabres, the Yankees and find the broadcast and find all those things. But by God, he cannot hit the Facebook button, you know, or the, the <laughs> FaceTime button. So my sister's calling because he prefers, you know, for 80 years, he's talked on the phone with his hand to his ear. And I finally got him a pair of Bluetooth headphones because he was just blasting the conversation from the living room. But now what happened is the Bluetooth headphones are on connected to his iPhone. My sister's like, I'm looking up dad's nose. Can you have him hold the phone? So she's like, I see his chin, his nose hairs, and he's talking away as loud as can be because not only can he not hear, but when you put Bluetooth headphones on ears that can't hear, you have to talk even louder to hear yourself. So, you know, what do you do? Yeah, it's a, it's a real dilemma. And people say to me, well, you can train them. You can teach them. Somebody there at the community can help them. Well, their anxiety level would go through the roof. Right. I mean, is it worth that? No. I mean, they, they prefer to email me or to phone call. And I was just reading an article this morning, actually, about Zoom in particular and about really the downsides of Zoom, how many people just prefer to use the phone because the, the facial recognition through this technology is a very poor substitute yes. for in-person. And so there's been this exponential growth in phone calls because people would actually prefer a phone call than to do the Zoom or the Microsoft Teams or the other technology that's available. So, you know, I think we kind of have to meet people where they are and not think that we know what's going to be best and just use, use the method that they want and go with yeah. that. Because every situation is so different. I <clears throat> was talking to someone the other day whose mother has dementia and is in a nursing home, memory care, I should say. And that is one of the more heartbreaking things I think that I'm hearing is that people, we all know the reality of a nursing home. Right. There are so many shortcomings. We could, we could talk for hours about that. But one of them for many people with dementia is that their adult children go in and help feed them. 
Sure. Because they will not eat on their own. The food is set in front of them. The staff who have a zillion other things to do often do not notice or do not have the time to hand feed someone. Right. Um, and uh, this person was telling me she's she's a real funny jokester type of person, and she's the person who can make her mother who has dementia laugh. Yep. And but it has to be in person. Right. She has tried calling her mother on the phone and nothing. She's cracking jokes just as fast as she can, as much as she normally would, and her mother's either not hearing her properly. There's something about the visual. Right. Well, uh, she's not processing it. Right. She yeah. can't process just an audio, you know, yeah. of her daughter. She needs to see yeah. the daughter and see the picture and see the yeah. whole thing. And it, it, it just was, again, one of the many, now how do you work around that? You know, it's just, um, it's very heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking, you know, and there's a lot of things that, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to come to grips with. And, you know, this is the, the, the thing that I think is hardest for many of us is the acceptance of what is, you know, this is what we get, you know, we're, we're really used to as a society, you know, we want to go see our parents in a care home. We make an appointment, we go in, we assume everything's done. It's all on our terms. Well, now everything's changed. So you know, we can't do many of the things and many of the tools that we use that were working for us aren't. Yeah. And I think the other is the uncertainty mm -hmm. and, you know, from, from all of our perspective, but also from folks that are really literally kind of trapped, yeah. you know, in these senior communities and we don't know what the end looks like. We don't know how it, we're going to get there. And I think as more time goes on, there's sort of this increasing sort of tension and anxiety about that. Yes. Um, because no one's saying to folks, well, you know, just hang in there because, you know, in another month, you know, you're going to be able to, to go visit your family or we're going to let your family in. But nobody can really no. say that yet. When it comes to senior communities, I mean, people are starting, you know, restaurants are starting to open up a little bit. Um, all across the country, there are these small little movements, but senior communities are still locked down tight and for yeah. a good reason. You know, because it's just once it gets started, it's just so hard to contain. Sure. Um, so. Sure. Well, and then I, we have families that have that that parent share. You know, like I have my dad from May, from September to May. You know, throughout the school year, and then in May, you know, we send him to my sister for a couple of weeks, and then he goes home really to be with my oldest brother. And my oldest brother does the primary care for the summer until my dad is flown back to me. Well, yeah, now what's what? happening with the airports and the airlines and, you know, and so, you know, you, you just go these routines that you've depended on for, for me, it's been a decade of doing that, you know, next year, it'll be 10 years of doing the same routine. So all of a sudden now we, we have a, what a routine. I mean, thank God he's with me and he can stay with me obviously, you know, forever, but he's jonesing to go home. He wants to go see his friends there. He wants to have his, see his son. You know, he can only see one of his children all the time. That's me. Yeah. And I think there was, you know, earlier, Sandra, you were talking about how we sort of had these two groups of people and then everything in between. We have one group who's overly frightened 
And then you have the other group who's not frightened enough. And I was talking to Leslie about this actually yesterday. I was saying, you know, that's the case with everybody right now. I mean, and, and with older folks, we're so worried because they're so vulnerable. Right. You know, if they get sick, then and they end up in the hospital, like Leslie said, your family can't come visit, you know, and you can just go downhill really fast. And so there's reason to be concerned, but I think it's also sort of understandable that some people just sort of throw caution to the wind because they think, well, I'm at a certain age, That's you know, it. what difference does it make? Right. You know, and, and, and it goes with a lot of what Amanda and I do in our work, which is a lot of times we're, we're dealing with the adult children who are like, well, why won't my mother do what I tell her to do? And so basically what that all boils down to is who has control of the ball right. and, and, and the difficulty that we have as adult children becoming, having to step into the parent shoes with our own parents. It's horrifying. We hate it, but it's, as you know, it's how we have to live our life. But ultimately we have to see the adulthood in these older people. And as long as they are not putting others at risk, can they do what they want? Can they just, you know, that's sort of the key question, but this is where, you know, we're also, I, I have some older friends who are in their 70s who are always dissing the millennials, you know, like, you know, they're the ones who are going to get me sick, you know, because look at them, they're doing this and this. But we could also have yeah. some baby boomers doing the same thing. You know, if they can just keep it into their own little household, great go for it. You do whatever you want, but it's when then you go to the grocery store and you put the person uh, at the counter at risk and you put your doctor's um, medical assistant at risk. You know, those are the, the issues. It's so complex. It is very complex. And I think, you know, for me, it's one thing, you know, since I have children in the house and I have my dad in the house, they're not the same. Like, that's what I would say to, you know, anybody who's, who's having a problem telling their parents what to do. It's like telling your parent what to do is like having a 16 year old and expecting them to do what you tell them to do. Like, you know, it's, it's a kind of a fine art between bribing, cajoling, sneaky tricking, you know, like, oh my gosh, I don't know where the keys are. Gee, your key, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to look for them. Let me, let me get back to you after work. Then Matlock comes on, we fall asleep for a nap and we're good for another day. You know, so I think it's, there's a lot of finessing to do when you're trying to get compliance because that's ultimately what you want. And nobody likes to be told, you know, you have to do this or you, and I think drawing the line in the sand is really for life or death situations. You know, like my dad wanting to go to Lowe's and pick some stuff up and refusing to wear a mask. That's a life or death thing. So that's a hill I'm willing to die on. But a lot of the other things, you know, you have to take time. And I don't think people want to invest the time in an elderly parent in the way it takes to get compliance. Yeah. And I, I, I have a friend who, um, whose mom wanted to go out to Costco and shop. 
and she hadn't been out shopping since like September. Mm -hmm. And so my friend said, well, we can go and I'll take you, but you have to wear a mask and you have to wear gloves and, you know, we're going to follow certain safety protocols. Now that shopping trip took all day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's a, that's a whole day affair. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to just pick stuff up and drop it off a lot easier and a lot faster. But you know, my friend's mother wanted that sense of control. Oh, and she wanted, yeah, she wanted some, she wanted to go pick out her own groceries. She yep. wanted to pick out things where she knew they were and what she wanted, whether they were available or not. And it completely made her day. Yes. You know, she was really happy and she was happy to comply with the safety yeah. um, precautions. That was something that she understood and she was willing to do in order to have that day long trip to Costco. Yeah. And you don't have to do that every day. You don't have to oh, do no. that every week. But you've got you can, that kind of time. <laughs> right. But you can give you can give an inch to get a mile with a lot of these things. And giving people a control, uh, like to me, we give controlled choice. You know, like my dad is awful with vegetables. And I know he needs to eat some vegetables. And if I put red peppers in the salad, he'll pick each one out like a little kid, you know. And <laughs> so I give him a controlled choice. Here's the vegetables you can choose from. You know, and that goes a lot longer, that goes a lot better than saying, come on now, you have to eat your vegetables. Like, you know, and it, it sounds a silly thing because I have the same thing with my eight-year-old, you know, go take your pick, but it's finessing and it's giving them at least a semblance of control back into their lives and allowing them to make small choices where it really doesn't matter the outcome sometimes can get you a lot further along than just, you know, this is the way it is. Welcome to the, you know, the gulag. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought a lot about this sort of psychological effect of what we're all having to do now to go out into the community. It's, it's very disorienting. It you know, is. it's very disorienting to like put on a mask and, and keep your distance and make sure that you have your hand sanitizer with you. It doesn't feel normal at all. It will have to become normal for everybody. It will have to become normal for every single age group. Well, it won't have to become normal, but I think it will, will become more acclimated, you know, to the idea. Because if we want any kind of freedom, we're going to have to agree to do that. Sure. And I think with older folks, you know, one thing that I read is that many folks who live at home who are thinking about assisted living are basically just kind of frozen in place because one of the reasons they want assisted living is for the amenities. Right. Well, now the amenities aren't available. Right. Not so attractive anymore. Yeah. There's no transportation out. There are no activities. There's no communal dining. So everybody's just kind of, I think older folks are kind of frozen in place right now just kind of trying to decide where do we go and what do we do and what about our plans that we had? Um, we're going to have to wait on that. So I think there, there's sort of a ripple effect to this as well. Well, and a whole nother layer of guilt for the kids, you know, like, like, you know, I, I always had in the top of my mind that when it gets too much for me, then I can put dad mm -hmm. in like St. Anne's home or like, you know, I had kind of where mm -hmm. he was going to go when it's, when I, when I can't care for him anymore, but now I'm looking into opportunities of going, okay, he's got long-term care insurance. Would we hire somebody to come in and take care of him because I'm not comfortable. I don't think I could live with the guilt of putting him in a home at that point. Mm -hmm. Like that, that never occurred to me. I watched my grandparents and, and aunts and uncles be cared for in the home until they went to assisted living, till they went to the nursing 
nursing home. And, you know, they're in their 90s by the time they checked out. So that's kind of what I thought. Well, now I look at things very differently going, I don't know if I could commit my father to that kind of lifestyle and, and live my life and not feel completely guilty. Well, and that makes me think of something else that's just sort of related specifically to COVID. And that is for all of our family caregivers who are stuck at home alone with an elderly parent, especially someone with dementia. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in normal times, you might think of, well, I have a backup. Right. But right now, what we are also seeing is some of those family caregivers are getting COVID mm -hmm. in the home, sure. and they simply cannot take care of the person. So we really want to encourage people, you know, just, we were talking about clarity before, how an emergency a crisis can bring clarity to your, your thinking. Now you really need to think is there a person in my life who uh, maybe has minimal exposure, uh, maybe a friend who's recently retired, someone, a family member who could step in if I get sick and know, you know that you already, and actually take action on that plan to communicate with them to say, just in case this happens, would you cover for me? Because I, one of the scariest things that this is not related to geriatrics per se, I saw a video of a woman in her 30s. She had four or five children in a very small two-bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. Her partner was there too. She got sick. And it was like a cyclone. I mean, she was very brave to post this yeah. video. She, she was down for the count. Mm -hmm. And she had children from age two to 16. It was, you know, I, I and then none of them could go outside. Right. Oh. <laughs> they were all yeah, quarantined. It, it, so we really want to encourage people, get that plan in place just in case. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you know, Leslie, I just thought when you were saying that, then you have these multi-generational families. Yeah living together Alexandra's. so you have people yeah in their 20s and they want to go out they want to be with their friends and they and so there's that struggle you have an you know you have an elderly person in the home yes you have the parents you've got kids in their 20s i mean my nephew lives at home he's 30 you know he wants to go out with his girlfriend well that's not safe no you know? so it's it, it just affects it affects everybody well, that was a big colossal fight we had as a family because my 16-year-old wanted to go to the gym. And we still had a gym that was a private gym in town where you could use your own key to go in and out. And, mm. you know, nobody would really know, you know, kind of this was the argument. And then finally, my younger one just mouthed off and he goes, well, you know what? If you want to go and you kill grandpa, it's on you. Like, <laughs> it's on your head for the rest of your life. And you know, and, but not all, you know, thank God we've got like little mouthy teens in my house, you know, that'll say whatever it is, but, but that was the reality of it. It's like, if you want to be as selfish as to go to the gym and then bring this home and you kill grandpa, that's on you. And, you know, but you know, you did guys are work? giggling and laughing, but you know, there's a truth to it. Yeah. yeah. Did it work? That's the question. Yeah, oh, it did. Yeah. Oh, because he's just like, you know, no, he's like, I can't be that selfish. And I'm like, 
oh my God, like one selfish teen talking to another selfish <laughs> teen about the colossalness of killing grandpa. Um, <laughs> but you know, but that's, that, that, that's a reality. Mm-hmm. You know, we giggle and laugh because we've spent so much time in our society of trying to find the right thing and the polite thing to say. But you know what, if you're irresponsible in this and you become a super spreader, you are going to end up killing people's wives, husbands, parents, grandparents. I mean, that's the reality of your choice to go out and continue to live your lifestyle because you can't stand it at home. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, you know, and um, Leslie and I were also just talking about how, you know, with folks who have their overly exaggerated response and then somebody else you know, has a, what I would consider to be a moderate sort of normal response. Well, we can't really judge people. Everybody kind of has their sort of their justification for what they're doing, you know, and regardless of what your age is, you know, whether you're older or younger, everybody kind of has their, their sort of set point of, of sort of concern and, you know, safety protocol and all of that. And it's just, it's really easy to judge people. on that but we all do it we all have it you know i know i have a neighbor across the street who won't even go to the grocery store right whereas i will definitely go to the grocery store Mm -hmm. i'll wear a mask you know and i'll be and i'll be really careful but i'm thinking how can you not go to the grocery store so she just orders everything online and has it dropped off or has other people drop it off at the house and she's a she's a professional you know like in her 50s um so it's but that's just she will not cross that line. Right. Well, and that's the thing, like, you know, personality really does play a part in it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I look at my two kids and they're, one's an introvert, one's an extrovert. So it's really kind of fun to watch them. The introvert thinks quarantine is great. You know, he's <laughs> reading all the time. He's like, I can do my homework in two hours and be done and then play my video games, do whatever I feel like, take a nap quarantine is great. Then I got my little tiny dancer who's like, I miss my 10 hours of dance classes. I miss talking to my friends. And, you know, I haven't had a hug from anybody but you, mom, in months, you know? (laughs) And, you know, I kind of make this exaggerated view of them, but that's two big segments of our population. Some like quarantine and enjoy it. Some people, especially the extroverts that are used to being around people and talking and get their energy from that, that's really tough. That is so true. And I'll make sure that my dad does not listen to this podcast because what he likes to do is he has this wonderful recliner. And so he basically naps in that most of the day. This is before quarantine. So nothing has changed. (laughs) Everything is exactly the same. He's very happy. He's very happy. He's very happy. Whereas my mom is not so happy. Right. Right. Like I think my mom, you know, rest her soul, she would have loved quarantine because it would give her like license to get command of the television. You know what I mean? Because like we (laughs) grew up with only one television. So if Hogan's Heroes was on, everybody had to watch Hogan's Heroes. And, you know, but it is, um, it is interesting that you bring this up because I did a couple shows when this first started, I wanted to talk to experts on quarantine. 
So I ended up going to a Navy SEAL vascular surgeon and a officer on a nuclear submarine and said, would you be willing to talk about isolation? Because who better than somebody, you know, a thousand feet under the sea for months at a time or somebody who's hiding in, in a war zone where they can't have any mobility and they're just waiting for the injured to be brought to them. And so they had a really, I think, a powerful way of handling the isolation that they knew was coming. Now, we didn't know this was coming, but we can still use the tools. And they said, we have an underway mindset. Like, you know, when a submarine dives, you hear that, awooga, awooga, diving, diving, awooga. That was their cue to shift mentally to focus on only what they could do. You know, they said, we don't think about our kids. We don't think about golfing. We don't think about the movies we're missing. Because when you're underway, when you're under sea, or when you're in combat, you can't think of these things. It doesn't make you heartless. But like for people who can't visit their parents, to focus on that you can't visit your parents is going to cause that mental health to nosedive. Mm -hmm. So what can you do to express your love to your parents? Because that's all that people want. Can you send them a letter? Can you send them an email? Can you send them a care package? Like what, can you go on Amazon, buy something? Yes, it's not as good as being in person, but you have to focus on what you can do and not what you can't do. And so as we continue into this, you know, quarantine and restrictions are lifting and everything is in flux because they may go down again. To steer your thoughts to, okay, here's the things I can't do. I'm going to forget about those. Let's move to what I can do. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if that's like, I have a friend who, who cannot be with her grandmother and her grandmother's in Poland and, you know, she's not going to pick up the iPhone or the, you know, whatever. So she's knitting a blanket for her. And I said, what do you do when you're knitting the blanket? She goes, I think of memories of my grandmother. I send her love. I send her all these things. And you're right. Is it as perfect as being there? No, but love is a verb. You know, it's what we do. It's not what we have. It's not, you know, that we're there. So what can you do to let the person, you know, love them? And if they can't receive it in the way you want to send it, then try something else, but look at what you can do rather than focusing on the restrictions and the no's and you can't, and this is what you can't do. Um, Because I think at the end of the day, our mental health is going to dictate how we move forward. I think you bring up a really good point. And that is that a lot of us are worrying and are anxious, but when we do something, when we take action, we are able to demonstrate our feelings. And it also reminded me when you were talking about making the blanket, um, when my mother, who is 91, first went away to school, her mother wrote her a postcard every day. And so even though my mother has dementia, I have pulled out some postcards. I'm not as good as my grandmother, I'm not doing it every day, but I try to make them funny or remind her to look outside. And I know that, and she's a very visual person, so I know that colors and, you know, uh, something artist, 
art dear pretty on the postcard really speaks to her mm-hmm. and it's also a tangible she can hold it in her hands and she recognizes my handwriting you know which is kind of so, so I'm kind of going back to some of our low-tech right. ways of communicating can make a difference well and sometimes it's one-sided like you know when my mom was in her final days I was here in California I couldn't fly back to New York you know for all for her final days and I had my put my kids in school and she was very adamant Sandra life goes on she's like you can't just sit here with me till I die she's like you have to go and I had to get on the plane you know and fly back here with my kids and in the final days the final weeks my dad used to hold the phone to my mom's head and I would yammer away just like she was answering me. And I would say to my dad sometimes, because she couldn't talk, she couldn't make any. And every once in a while, I would talk to my dad and say, well, what does mom do when I do that? And he goes, well, sometimes she sleeps. Sometimes her eyes blink. Sometimes she smiles. He's like, it's a crapshoot. You know, who knows what she's doing every day. But the fact of the matter is it made me feel better. You know, I can't do anything to change the things I can't, but I can know that if my parent is not with me, if they're in an assisted living, I can't be there. I can write a letter, send a postcard, send a, you know, do whatever. It doesn't have to be this big grand thing. And quite frankly, my mom's dying anyway. So I would literally just be standing there anyway as a voice. So when you look at the next best thing, that's the best thing. And we live in an environment where if it's not good, throw it out, replace it, send it back to Amazon, better, 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 better. I think the silver lining in this whole thing is not to go, what's the best thing for them, but what's the best you can do and that's enough. Yeah, I think that's so true. You know, my mom sends me an email about once a week or so just to pick up a couple of things at the store and leave them at the front desk, you know, like eggs or Sometimes beer, which is a concern, but if that's what she wants. And so the last It is an essential service. It's an essential. (laughs) Right. Open in every state. So I, the the last time I cut some fresh rosemary from the garden and bound it up in a string and put it in there, you know, so she could put it in some water because they they can't get outside where there's anything like growing. Right. So, you know, she emailed me and just said, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. You know, it smells so good. Or I throw in some tangerines you know, or just something extra that she didn't ask for, but I know that she would really appreciate it because in her mind, she's thinking, okay, you're a really busy person. So I'm going to keep my list really short and to the point. Um, I'm not going to ask for things that I really want. I'm only going to ask for what I need. Right. And so I think that's such a great point. It's just to look beyond that and just, I mean, just throw a few extra things in the basket. Right. Mm Well, or how about this for those elderly, like my aunt, I pick up the phone and I've talked to her more in this than I've talked to probably in my lifetime. Really, it's 10 minutes out of my day, you know, to pick up the phone and say, hey, Aunt Julie, what's going on there? Oh, nothing, nothing's going on here. Just thought I would say hi and, you know, whatever, chit chat. And the thing is, I think I get the best benefit of all. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's what you choose to do, like throwing the tangerine in or cutting some rosemary. You know, that wasn't some great colossal effort you made or, you know, for, for you, Leslie, to, to drop a postcard in the mail that you know your mom would enjoy. The fact is we've done something. We've done something to make a difference. And that's where, that's where we can live with what is. Exactly. 
And, and I think all the uncertainty that we have about, well, how is this all going to pan out? When is it going to end? Everyone would like it to end. But, you know, we're hearing that there's going to be probably some remnants of yeah. this change in behavior for some time to come, especially for more vulnerable groups. And so the more that we can sort of own it in our own ways, the better, you know, and, and honestly, I think what you're describing and what Amanda's describing is what people are doing. People are doing whatever they can. Um, you know, of course, what we really want as a society is to reduce the horrors that people in the very bad hotspots have had to deal with in terms of nursing homes and the, the complete isolation. Um, and, and I think, you know, we have so much creative energy and thought in our society as a whole that I know we're going to come up with some good solutions, but we have to just care for each other through this tunnel, you know? Right. Well, and let's be honest, are some of these things a bad thing? Because they're not. You know, I don't want to be sneezing on my dad. I don't want him sneezing on me. Like, yeah, is it a pain in the ass to put a mask on? But how many times have I had to fly on an airplane and I look around and I'm like, ew, like, oh, you're snotting. Like, I could just see it running down your face and I know you're going to touch the seat that I'm, you know. Yeah. So we have to change a little bit for the greater good and the health of everyone. Like, mm -hmm. let's look at what is the big picture here. The big picture is a healthier population. We will find a way to do the things we want to do, just keep ourselves healthy at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think shutting off the news, because if you guys noticed, and I'm just going to end with this, because we have another episode coming up where we're going to talk about some of this mental game. Um, have you noticed the trend in news? And, you know, because I was a trained journalist and I have a background in journalism, I'm very sensitive to this. But anytime you see a headline that says might, may, should, would, could, could be, just ignore it. And the other one is you know what? Three weeks ago, we were told to be terrified. It's coming. Then, you know, two weeks ago, it's almost here. Then a week ago, it's at its peak. And then this week, it's like, oh, we're, we're on the downside, but, but don't stop being afraid. And then once we get over the hump, it's like, well, but September is coming. So we have to be cognizant of the fear machine that is being pumped out. Not that we shouldn't be judicious and, you know, um, respectful and, and follow these things, but we also don't have to jump on the fear machine. We really don't need to worry about September in April. We got to get through April first. We got to get through May. So we're going to talk tomorrow about some mental health tricks um, when we record, and we will be uh, airing that for you guys um, in the episode after this, the part two to this series. But really be judicious about what you're reading, what you're letting into your mental health, because how you show up each day is up to you. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, militarymomtalkradio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter 
We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.